The Mandela Fellowship for Young South African Leaders is the flagship program for the U.S. government and um, they focus on young African leaders. Since 2014, nearly 5,800 young leaders from every country in sub-Saharan Africa have participated in the fellowship. The fellowship is for people uh, with uh, ages between 25 and 35 and who are accomplished leaders and have established records of promoting, innovating and positive impact in their communities and the country. I am joined in studio by Ms. Heather Wright, the Assistant Cultural Affairs Officer at the U.S. Embassy in South Africa, and Ms. Morendeni Makado, who is one of uh, the fellows. I believe you're from Makado, girl. <laughs> yes, close <laughs> Welcome by. to Ubuntu Radio. <laughs> you're welcome. Good morning. Good morning, and thanks for having us today. Um, again, uh, my name is Heather Wright. I'm at the U.S. Embassy in Pretoria. And today um, we wanted to talk about uh, the full range of exchanges and, and grant opportunities that we offer through the U.S. Mission to South Africa. But um, principally, we did want to discuss uh, the programs that we are currently uh, recruiting for, one of which being the Mandela Washington Fellowship. And so before we even get into it, I just want to remind everyone that um, all the information that I'm going to be discussing right now can be found at MandelaWashingtonFellowship.org. So if you miss anything, please um, make sure you check into that uh, website for information and also details on applications. But again, this is um, the flagship program of the Young African Leadership Initiative that started in um, 2014 under then U.S. Ambassador Barack Obama. I'm sorry, U.S. President <laughs> Barack Obama. And uh, currently we're recruiting for the 10th cohort. Um, and as you mentioned, South Africa, generally we send about 40 mm. um, young up-and-coming leaders to the United States for a um, six-week exchange program. Um, they spend time at all over the United States, so there's 28 different locations that um, fellows are sent to, and we are joined today by Maureen Denny. So I do want to make sure that I, I reserve a lot of time for her <laughs> to talk about her experience, because I think it's very important for mm. um, South Africans. And also, I understand your listenership is all across um, Sub-Saharan Africa. I think it's um, more important and more impactful to hear from a, a recent participant about their experience. But just some broad details about who we are looking for. Um, so generally, our um, finalists are between the ages of 25 and 35, mm -hmm. though um, there have been exceptional applicants that are between 21 and 24. Um, you cannot be a U.S. citizen. You must have a strong command of English, and uh, you cannot be employed by the U.S. government or have immediate family uh, you know, who are also working at the U.S. <laughs> government for you know, obvious reasons. Okay. Um, and uh, you just need to be a citizen and resident of any of the eligible countries. So there's 48 um, sub-Saharan African countries that currently participate. But we are really just looking for young, dynamic people who are trying to do good things in their countries. So um, a lot of uh, when I when I do interviewing, I'm obviously we have this list of criteria, but I'm really just looking for um, individuals with a sense of patriotism. So mm -hmm. a sense of love of whatever your home country is and a sense of, of, of wanting to come back and do good things. And then off, you know, also 
making sure I, I call it the uh, the jerk factor, making sure that you can get along well with other people <laughs> and that you can because uh, you are you're going to be integrated with with people from all over the continent. Mm-hmm. And as well as you're going to be meeting people from different countries, um, different religions, different uh, backgrounds, different opinions, all sorts of things. So we just want to ma- be mindful of that, that um, we're also looking for people who who can um, cooperate and build bridges and, and network because that's the the real um, the real foundation of the Mandela Washington Fellowship is building relationships and maintaining them. Okay, can you kindly paint me a mind picture of what happens during those six, the six-week program when they are in the U.S.? All right, so this is where I'm going to totally have to punt to <laughs> Marin Denny, <laughs> but generally, um, the because I haven't actually been a, the participant, but uh-huh. I have been um, on the U.S. side helping arrange some of the activities. Okay, so. Um, again, there from across the continent, there are uh, roughly 700 individuals that are selected. You will not be placed with um, a lot of people from your home country because mm. um, we do want to mix it up. <laughs> but um, what we do focus on is making sure that of the three tracks that we have, which are um, business, civic engagement, and public um, management, that you are grouped with people working in similar sectors as you uh, as you are. Um, and so there's almost always a summit, and that's where everyone meets together. And um, they'll be in Washington, D.C. for different engagements for that. Sometimes they do that in New York City. I'm not quite certain of how it will be this year. But then you spend the, the lion's share of your time at a U.S. university uh, with your kind of mini cohort working on different issues, uh, whether it's working on doing some academic work, doing um, leadership training, community service, and just networking. And so this is where I think <laughs> like Denny is really going to be your expert on this. So okay. I wanted to do give mm. her the opportunity mm. to discuss that. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, during the six weeks is you start off obviously with the court I was in, you get paired to shared rooms. And that's when you get to actually connect on a personal level because you're sharing the space with somebody you've never met before. And also, you we get um, lectures. So we get in a class setup. We I was in the business track. So we get taught different business techniques, different business jargon. It's, it's a business lecture. But it's not just academic-based. We do have community services. So some weekends we'd go out, we'd do community work. And um, on Fridays, for example, we get paired with American families. So you go break bread with an American family. That's where now it's, it's the personal stuff. we out of the classroom mode. You get to now share what's happening in your country. They get to share what's happening in the U.S. So that's the cultural exchange part of it and that's where we start building strong bonds and then we also have structured network sessions so you get sometimes after the lecture you have structured professional networking sessions so this is where now we network on a professional business platform that's where we start studying forming collaborations or you find people who are also doing the same thing you're doing back at home you start getting an idea how do they do it in the American setup mm-hmm. and we also have fun sessions wherein we just go out for fun activities like I remember there was a day we went out and we were 
diving in an ice bucket. It's something that when we left the residence, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then when we got there, because of the vibe and how the place is, and we were excited and the excitement. Me. I was running. I actually went into an ice bath, whereas I it's something I never thought I would do. But you get to learn all this different. It's like it's a wholesome experience, if I were to use that word, because it's not just one part only. And also with the rest of the group you're with, it's people from different African countries. So we also had sessions wherein we just go out by ourselves. We, we're not only learning the American culture, but we're also learning different cultures in Africa because that's when you realize we're all in the same continent. There's so much that we think we know about each other, mm. but there's so much that we don't know about each other. And there's so many similarities from people from different areas, yet there are so many differences. So that whole experience has been... It, it just changes you. You think you're going there for the business part of it. It changes you on business. It changes you personally. It changes you to levels, even spiritual levels, because mm. you're exposed to people of different sexual orientations, different cultures, different backgrounds, different religions. So in that space, you just build the strong bonds that like. I even still get emotional now talking about it because I miss my fellows and we, we, we're still keeping in touch even now. But yeah, the whole experience, it, it builds your complete self. It's not just one dimensional. What was your biggest culture shock? The big, you mean in terms of the US or other African <laughs> that you had oh during my. the program? Um, I think the biggest culture shock... Oh, it's difficult to just zoom in on one. The first one that I always shared with with, <laughs> with, with, with the other fellows is American toilets are different from South African toilets. <laughs> okay, okay. I want to hear about it. You flush once and you are sorted. The pressure is perfect. <laughs> I did not expect that, Murende. <laughs> it's perfect. Coming back home, I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to go back to the US. But the, yeah, no, that's one thing we always shared with the card. But also just in terms of... Um, um, the, I think the other culture shock is just in terms of the perceptions that people have of Africa or different countries in Africa. Mm. And that's purely due to us maybe not telling our stories enough or having other people tell our stories for us. But it's just, yeah, that's something that it was a big culture shock that I remember we kept talking about it with the fellows that maybe coming back, we need to start relating our stories more and telling our own stories because there is so much that people still don't know or still misunderstand about the different countries in Africa. So wow. that for me was the biggest culture shock. You are a professional natural scientist based in Polokwane. And um, we we all know in South Africa, we always uh, presume that opportunities are available for people who are based in Gauteng. Mm -hmm. How did you find out about this program and how did you like <laughs> make it to the top? Because I believe that there were thousands and thousands of applications, but you came out tops. You were in the top 40. Yes. Um, finding out about it is I'm one person who's always curious. Mm. I believe, yes. You know, you never really completely there, keep learning, keep exploring. So I'm quite active on LinkedIn and other social platforms. So I wanted to sign up for the Yali Network. I kept looking, okay, what are platforms available for young African leaders? Mm. I just went on Google. I looked up what platforms are there and then I found Yali. So, so curious. So curiosity, yes. It didn't kill the cat this time. <laughs> <laughs> it took the cat to America. It took the cat all the way to the US. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I found mm. it on Google. I was like, okay, let me follow this page. And that's mm. why I started finding all these programs, all these different lectures and then the other day I was on LinkedIn then I saw okay 
there's this Mandela Washington Fellowship. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, go to the US for six weeks. Huh? And then that's when I started reading about it and applying. And uh, as that's where I started the application. But it was it's just that curiosity of always wanting to know what's there, what opportunities are. Because opportunities are not going to walk up and knock in your front in door. Your door. You have to <coughs> continuously research, continuously find out what's there. And in terms of, I'll come back to you here. In terms of expectations, obviously you had a certain set of expectations before you went. When mm. you compare it to the actual uh, program, how does it compare? It's, you can't even compare the two. Mm. So before I left, for me, um, like in my head, it's we're going the business track. It's just formal business mm. lecture setup. We're going to learn about business only. And like I said, it, it was mind-blowing how it wasn't just professional development. So it exceeded every expectation I had because I came back not just now with all these skills and all these learnings to grow business, but on a personal level as well, I've grown so much. Spiritually, I've grown so much. And it's it's crazy because now you come back when people complain about small things, it it just seems so yeah. small. Like yeah. the world is way bigger than I ever imagined before I left here. So yeah, it's it's not my expectation was to grow professionally and that wasn't the case. That's great. You want that to chip in? I just wanted to um talk about um you'd mentioned that Marin Denny's from um Limpopo there's very much, um, you know, from my uh, standpoint and also my colleagues who are at the consulates in Johannesburg, Durban, and Cape Town, so we really are working to make sure we have outreach outside of the major urban mm-hmm. centers. Because mm-hmm. um, we do, the, I will, you know, say that the, the, the majority of the applicants do come from, you know, Pretoria, Johannesburg, um, Cape Town, and, and Durban. But we really are looking for people who are doing great work um, outside of the city centers. Yeah. So some of the strongest applicants we've had ha- are coming from Limpopo. They're mm-hmm. coming from Mpumalanga. Um, they're coming from um, Northern Cape. But we just really need them to apply. And I think uh, a lot of times people um, may think, like, you know, I'm not qualified. Like, you don't need to have a, a, a college degree to I apply. wanted to ask about you, that. You don't that need you it. Don't, do you need... You need what you need. Uh, like I said, you need to be doing good work in your community. You need to have an established um, uh, track record of either community service, business leadership, um, or public management. And again, that doesn't mean you're a CEO of your um, of your, your organization. One of my, my favorite uh, fellows is a paralegal from Bushbuck Ridge. Wow. And this young lady, Cincinnati, so I'm shouting her out in Bushbuck Ridge. Yay! Um, <laughs> she's a paralegal. She's building, building networks with um, the local police, with local advocates, with NGOs, all centered around helping um, young men and women understand their, their, their rights, their legal rights. Uh, and again, that's something that um, doesn't take a PhD, but what it does take is takes energy and mm-hmm. it takes a love of your, your community and wanting to do something good with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So again, please, if you are in, you know, Northwest Pro- Province or if you are in Northern Cape, Limpopo, parts of, of um, Eastern Cape, KZN, wherever you may be in South Africa, please consider applying for this opportunity that's open until um, September 12th. And I don't want to speak uh, on behalf of my colleagues in other countries, but I'm willing to bet that they have the same um, uh, point of view 
you as well, is that it, it all the good work that's happening in, um, in, in sub-Saharan Africa is not only happening in the capitals. It's not only happening in the city centers. It's happening in, you know, in, at the regional, at the provincial, and at the local level. And um, oftentimes we find that people are doing this incredible work, but they just need that kind of like push, that little bump. And that's something that we think that the, um, the program like Mandela Washington Fellowship, where you can have a real value add. At the end of the program, once they have completed their program like Morendin, how do you go back and measure the impact in the communities? So that's a very um, a good question. And so this is something that we are still sorting out for ourselves. So again, um, 48 different countries uh, working uh, to send uh, individuals to the U.S. for this program. And so I know it's different for each country, but in South Africa, one of the tools that we are using is we have a alumni association. It's called um, South Africa U.S. Connect or SAUSAC, so S-A-U-S-A-C, um, that we are really encouraging alumni of all of our programs to join and so that we can collect these stories and the, an uh, the anecdotes of how people are using their experiences once they return to South Africa. So a lot of this is we really do depend on getting the feedback from uh, people who have recently returned or even if it may have been several years since their experience to understand how some nugget of information they learned helped them improve their business, how it helped them build a network. Um, we have alumni impact grants that are made available to individuals who want to, perhaps they met someone in the United States that they want to bring to South Africa <coughs> to work on a program. Mm. So we've had grantees um, doing that. We've also had cross-border collaboration between fellows in uh, different countries. So a lot of, uh, a lot of the measurement, it, it really is um, alumni driven and them reaching back to us and saying, you know, uh, during this meeting with a teacher in some, you know, rural county in the United States, it really led me to believe that there, it, understand that there is a lack for books in city Y. So this is actually a, a, an anecdote of a, of a current fellow mm -hmm. who's working on building uh, um, relationships between libraries and between schools. So again, a lot of it is we, you, you can't, there's not a way to quantify uh, but it really is. We just want to know that people are having a, a quality experience and that it was of value to that person. And so to me, if Marin Denny or any other fellow comes back and says, you know, I learned something very valuable, something that I can use, I am happy because I understand that um, even uh, from from her experience right now, we may not know the true impact of it for another five, 10 years. So a lot of this is, again, it is very much the long game. There's not always going to be a, an immediate result, but I am a very strong believer in that this is something that is incremental and that we really do, we wait for our alums to come back and tell us their aha moment mm -hmm. of where it all came together for them. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's too early to ask, do you have <laughs> any plan? How are you going to apply the skills and knowledge that you gained in the U.S. in back in your community? 
Um, yes, there's already plans. Like Heather mentioned, we do have the exchange program. We're already working with um, one of the ladies in the U.S. We're trying to apply for that to because um, maybe I didn't properly introduce myself. <laughs> then you'll, it will make sense why we embarked on that program. So I am a corporate water specialist. I'm employed by Implets, which is a mining house in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And that's in the mining space. So I... I'm a committee member for Women in Mining South Africa. So this is a not-for-profit organization wherein we try to, we call it bringing the sexy back to mining, but is to try and encourage young girls who are still at school. We do career fairs wherein we, we encourage them to get into STEM. And those that are entering the mining industry, we just offer mentorship so that they get up the ranks. And there are those that are there, but because how the industry is so masculine, most of them end up leaving the industry. So we try to engage with them to see how do we retain them in the industry so that they also go up the ranks. So it's a lot of women empowerment work that we do. But the other thing that is quite strong in the mining industry and it being so male dominated is gender-based violence and bullying and harassment towards women in the industry. So what we're trying to do is just to create awareness around gender-based violence and to create that aftercare and after support for women. So we're trying to work on a program wherein we will try and see how do we support these women so that they are in the right state of mind to continue working in the mining industry. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we're looking into. It's just one of the aspects that we're looking into. But also from now, my professional position, like I mentioned, I was in the business track. There's a lot of um, self-branding that I want to do. Obviously, myself, I want to move up the ranks in that professional position. So there's a lot of, um, we had mentors and we had coaches and we had a project while we're in the US. So mine was focusing on how do I brand myself so that I become recognizable. I become that um, product that each big company wants to wants services from. So it's just those (coughs) learnings from the lectures we had. Those are the things that I've started to implement and I still need to implement them so that I also go up the ranks. So like I said, there's a lot of things that <laughs> I still want to and with the excitement, yes, you want to do it all, but obviously you have to one pace yourself one step at a time. Yeah. Yes. If you have just joined us, this is The Diplomat on Ubuntu Radio. My name is Thalmango Beni, spending time with you until 12 midday Central African time. I still have in studio Miss Heather Wright, the Public Diplomacy Officer for Emerging Voices at the U.S. Embassy in Pretoria. And I also have Miss Morindini Makado. She's a certified professional natural scientist currently employed as an environmental manager at a a mining company in Polokwane. We are talking the yearly program. Let's take a short, quick break as we are uh, going to talk more about the other programs that the U.S. Embassy offers. Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to midday, Central African Time. Central African Time. Welcome back to The Diplomat. We are on DSTV, by the way, Audio Bokeh Channel 888. You can also stream live from www.ubunturadio.com. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook, Ubuntu Radio ZA, on Twitter at Ubuntu Radio ZA, on Instagram at Official Ubuntu Radio ZA. You see, I always say on Twitter, it's X, Bazalwan. (laughs) 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 On X (laughs) at Ubuntu Radio ZA. So, Heather... Now, the 2024 uh, applications 
are open. You have already stated the requirements for for application. Um, how do people go about applying for that program? Um, great question. So the first thing you need to do is visit MandelaWashingtonFellowship.org sometime before September 12th. <laughs> September 12th is when the application closes, but I do encourage people to visit that website sooner rather than later because um, you just really don't want to to leave it to the last minute and then have, you know, mm-hmm. power failure, internet go down, or there's any number of things, you know, that could, that happen. could happen. So again, MandelaWashingtonFellowship.org is uh, where you can find more details about the eligibility as well as the application itself. It's all web-based and managed by um, an organization, our implementing partner called IREX, I-R-E-X. So if you see that, just don't be alarmed. Mm-hmm. And also it's free to apply. So, um, you know, if all you really need is the time and the energy to fill it out, it, you need to upload your CV um, as well as I believe there's four short essays and two longer essays that need to be completed. And that's why we, we kind of encourage people to take a little bit more time with the mm-hmm. application mm-hmm. just so that you're not scrambling at the last minute. Um, and that's we just really want to hear in your own words about what you are doing in South Africa, what you seek to do. Um, uh, when you come back from the the U.S. experience and what it is that you want to get out of it. Wow. I so wish uh, age was still on my side. (laughs) (laughs) You 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 had a colleague who mentioned that, and so um, I think that might be a good, like, segue into the different programs that we have because we do have programs that that are uh, directed at high school students all the way up to PhD seekers. Yes, I do understand that you have other programs. Let's get into details of those programs. Maybe some of us would <laughs> apply. <laughs> so I'll, I'll start with um, some of the academic programs and, mm. and starting with the youngest group. So um, one of my favorite programs is called the Kennedy Luger Youth Exchange Program or we call it for short the YES program. This is for high school students. Um, that Generally, these are um, when you're about 16 or 17 is when you go for a full academic year at a U.S. high school. You are you're given a host family, so you you become the um, the host uh, uh, daughter or son of a particular family. Um, you get to live with that family as one of their children, mm. and you you get uh, I, you can't say quintessential because you know you, one family might be going you know one child might be going to a family with five kids versus another child maybe going to uh, a family with one one child. And Quite so, interesting. Oh. So they go and they stay for the full <coughs> academic year, mm. um, partic- uh, partic- uh, participating in um, typical high school life. Uh, and also they're incorporated into different um, cultural or family traditions that the whatever that particular community offers to them. Uh, we've had a number of, of students who've actually ended up graduating <laughs> from, mm-hmm. and, it's, and that's never been something that we expected, but some they graduate and end up getting scholarships to go to U.S. Uh, universities there. So that's um, a very, very um, wonderful program, and it's actually one that we just closed the application for, unfortunately, and so we're working on the selections. Mm -hmm. But um, generally, we start recruiting for that program in February. So uh, if if any of your listeners have high school students, that might be something that they uh, would like to look into. Uh, typically, we are able to send between 10 and 15 high school students uh, on that particular program. There's also the Opportunities Fund program. That's for 
um, academically strong high school students that may come for modest, me modest means. And what we do is it's basically a, a two-year academic boot camp where um, we have a partner that works with them on their essay writing, on their college applications, on standardized tests, so that they are um, able to competitively compete for merit-based scholarships at U.S. universities. And um, the last accounting that I had for like our very minimal investment into this program, it's somewhere between six and nine million dollars worth of scholarship offers that mm. South African students are competing for and are successfully being offered these mm. um, the these scholarships to and it's it's Ivy League. So we've had students going to Harvard, going to MIT, going to really prestigious schools. And these are these are South African students who mm -hmm. have the the academic skills, but they just didn't have the money to fill out the application or they just didn't have the money to do the standardized test. And so that's where we come in and try to sponsor them there. So those are the main programs for high school students that we have. Um, there's also uh, speaking of having mm -hmm. a, a, a lady scientist with us, we do have Tech Girls, mm -hmm. which is for uh, 15 uh, to 17-year-old uh, high school students, uh, girls, for them to spend a few weeks at a U.S. university working on STEM uh, projects, whatever it is related to their um, their area of interest. Mm -hmm. um, moving into some of the academic programs for, for university and, and postgraduate uh, um, applicants, the, our flagship program is Fulbright. And so every year we have, uh, I think, probably around 30, 35 um, people who are, who are sent to the United States. Um, this is a these are degree-seeking programs. Mm. Um, the I would say the majority of them are seeking master's degrees, but we also have uh, some who are seeking their PhDs. We have really great cooperation. Um, with the National Research Foundation on that. So they help us with the selection process. Um, so I should say at the top of this, um, part of when we are doing our selection process for all of these programs, we want to make sure that we are working with our South African partners to make sure that um, that South Africa's development goals or whatever um, goals that are relevant to South Africa are also being accomplished or, or also being taken into consideration when we are selecting who we want to send. Um, so yes, Fulbright is our flagship academic program. We also have the Humphrey program that also is an academic program that's generally uh, um, geared towards public servants. So we've had uh, individual public servants. Per, per, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, public servants. See? Um, so we recently <laughs> had uh, a lady from the National School of Government that participated in Humphrey. We've had individuals from the National Treasury and from other um, uh, governmental agencies who have participated in that program. So that's why I said there's programs for everybody. Of okay? course. <laughs> so, <laughs> a little bit of everything for everyone. Um, and so the, the programs that I've, I've um, discussed so far, those are pretty much um, application-based. So we, we promote them saying that they're happening and we really are looking for South Africans to step up and apply to them. Then we have some that are nomination-based which is the International Visitors Leadership Program. And that's when uh, we are really um, are working a little bit more collaboratively with either South African NGOs or with government offices to identify um, a knowledge gap and uh, identifying uh, generally, they're like mid-level mid professionals in South Africa to send them to the United States for uh, anywhere between one to three week um, uh, we 
loosely call it a study tour, um, but it's really a professional exchange where you're meeting with U.S. federal government, with um, provincial government, with local government, with U.S. NGOs, U.S. academia, um, with special interest groups, just to get a holistic um, understanding of whatever that problem set was that has been identified. Mm -hmm. So that's the International Visitors Leadership Program. Um, and there's, again, there's any other number of programs <laughs> that have available. And uh, you can find out more about those on the U.S. Embassy's website, which is za.usembassy.gov. Mm -hmm. And just click on, there's a link that says, I want to study in the U.S. And that will have um, all of the different exchange opportunities. But we also have programs that we run inside of, uh, of South Africa. Okay. One that I'm working on right now is called the Academy for Women Entrepreneurs. This year, we are actually partnering with colleagues in um, Lesotho and Eswatini. Mm. So this program is, you know, again, it's the first time we've ever done this, but it's, a, you know, a really, truly a regional and, and cross-border program. And this is a seven-week-long um, workshop uh, where we have um, have business leaders who volunteer their time really to work with um, young entrepreneur entrepreneurs who either they need um, assistance in cleaning up their their business plan mm. or they need um, uh, to upskill their presentation and branding skills or they need to understand how do you approach investor and an investor and how do you how do you market yourself how do you create your message and mm. how do you create your product or service or whatever it may be. So that's a program that's ongoing right now. And again, there's a, there's the American Spaces program and these are, oh. again, uh, libraries or um, business incubators that the U.S. Mission has partnered with where you can go and get information about the United States. You can participate in seminars or small um, small workshops. We host hackathons. We host coding workshops, <laughs> um, workshops for NGOs. There's, you know, again, uh, there's so many different um, cultural programs. Everything for everyone. Everyone. <laughs> and just one more plug, I would say. Another program that we are currently um, inter uh, recruiting for is one of our um, our our musical programs. It's called mm -hmm. One Beat. So mm -hmm. we, again, we have programs for everybody. Fantastic. So, <laughs> so One Beat, the applications are open until September 15th. And this is one of our musical exchanges. And so we are looking for um, songwriters, singers, producers, DJs, beat makers, whatever mm -hmm. your specialty may be, spoken word mm -hmm. poets. Um, the application is open to Maybe you. Maybe radio presenters. <laughs> 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 and, we have, and we have programs also for journalists as well. You so. should hook me up. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there's a, a wide array mm -hmm. of, of programs that we have. Um, unfortunately, we're not able to send everyone Everything, who is yeah. wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. But we do our level best to to pick the best of, of, of who's presenting themselves for the, the opportunity. Interesting. So one mm -hmm. just have to visit the website. More details are on the website. But mm -hmm. let's go back a bit to the uh, Mandela Fellowship uh, program. Mm -hmm. um, after you saying you are closing on the 12th of, of September, after the closing date, what happens next? Okay, so... Um, what I my understanding is, and I know my my colleague who is here with me will probably correct me if I'm wrong. When we last checked, um, we there was close to 2,500 applications in what? progress. So mm -hmm. again, um, 
we we read those applications, <laughs> and I say we, the U.S. government and volunteers, yes. read all of those applications mm-hmm. to um, basically distill that application down. In, in South Africa's uh, case, to about twenty applications, mm. uh, not twenty, sorry, uh, down to about two hundred applications mm. that we really um, are are trying to go through with a fine tooth comb um, and, and, and trying to build a cohort. And then we generally, I want to say, invite around 150 or so folks for interviews. Um, the interviews generally happen around uh, November through January. And then um, we make formal announcements, usually in March uh, <coughs> of 2024. Mm. And that's really when there's like the mad dash <laughs> to again identify people um, and and uh, get them in for visa interviews, get plane tickets. Uh, we do a pre department, uh, not pre department, pre departure orientation, mm-hmm. where we bring the the new co- cohort together to meet each other to uh, talk about the 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 adventure they're about to embark <laughs> upon. I always do uh, a, a presentation on like what it's like to go to the United States. Mm. Um, and uh, again, like you are representing your country, you are a diplomat for you know s- South Africa. And last year, Durka was very helpful in helping communicate that uh, message as well. I was there when yeah. you did the <laughs> <Yes. laughs> You're like, put your best foot forward for your country. Yes. You're doing this for your country. Yes. So we give them the, the patriotic pep talk. Um, and then uh, they get their plane tickets and we send them on their way. <laughs> and, and so this year, I believe, um, and again, the dates haven't been completely set, but uh, generally it's around June, July okay. that um, fellows are spending their time in the U.S., so the hottest months in the United. <laughs> so you leave, you, you, they get to spend South African winter in U.S. summer. In the U.S., yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Morendeli, what was it like to prepare for this trip? What what did you consider? What, uh, so yeah. from the time you get the confirmation that you went through, it's you, you need like a week. Okay, to set tell me about. <laughs> did you receive a phone call or an email? Um, I received an email. Okay, so tell, me, tell like, me about I wasn't receiving even the email. Expecting it, so you <laughs> open the email like it's it's there's that moment like, of ah! of di- no. At first you're like, is the, are these people all right? Did they send it to the right? you know you want to <laughs> you want to be sure? Did they send it to the right? You double check. Yeah, yeah. that is my name. Yes, mm. it's me. Mm. So you still you have that moment of shock, then you know you just need to take it in. Then from there it's the excitement. They okay, yeah 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 we're there, but I'll believe it now. Uh, first of all you like I'll believe it when I get my visa. Mm. Then you wait. Then you do you get the visa like okay yeah I still in doubt. I'll believe it when I get my plane ticket. When you get the plane ticket and that travel itinerary, that's when it hits you that oh my word it this is, is happening. <laughs> now it's like no doubt now I'm going. But the whole preparation is. Um, Obviously, now there's a lot of aspects to preparation. You need to make sure at work you close out, you do everything. I mean, six weeks, you're still going to come back to the reality Mm. after the six Mm. weeks. Mm. So you need to close off that. And then there's the whole informing the family, informing everybody that, yo, I'll be gone for six weeks, different time zone, Mm. start arranging your call schedule and everything. And then there's also now trying to research because we're going to we are all placed in different areas in the u.s trying to research now the place i'm going to what do i need to prepare for that so i was based in nevada which is like a desert (laughs) (laughs) so now you're trying to prepare yourself okay i'm going there and it's crazy because now you're preparing yourself this side it's winter just getting the mindset that no no, i don't need to pack for what i'm feeling now Mm -hmm. because where i'm going Mm -hmm. it's there but it's just 
it's just this whole excitement towards it towards packing and preparing and but then the the nice thing about it is, is you get so much assistance i mean with visa applications we get assistance with that we get assistance with regards to what to pack for so you never in a space wherein you are alone or frustrated everything it's like like okay guys this is too much emails i know <laughs> but yeah you, you're like you understand it's like so much support that you get mm. to a point where you it's it's so i don't know it's it's so convenient the whole process is so convenient we had everything and then the planes all sorted when you get there there's somebody waiting for you because we think okay now we get there we all placed in different planes because the south african court we're going to different places like mm-hmm. what's going to happen when i land now i'm landing in the us with all these bags yes, <laughs> yeah. you meeting strangers you meeting strangers but the mm. funny thing is um when you're at the airport you start meeting other fellows from other countries for some reason we just tend to recognize each other like <laughs> you look like a fellow where are you going we met a lot when we had oh we met a lot of fellows some were in the same flight some were not because a lot of people were also connecting from Oatambo mm. and then when you connect in other airports you just i don't know we just started picking each other up like you look like a, are you a fellow yes you look like okay let's go but yeah by the time i got to nevada i think i'd collected other fellows along the way so i didn't get there alone you make friends yeah you make friends along the way so the whole preparation you never doing it alone and already by then we had started forming groups whatsapp groups with the other fellows who were going with to nevada from the different countries so you start coming okay how far are you so the whole trip it was broadcasted on different whatsapp platforms you've got the South African fellows okay I'm here but you've got the other fellows now coming from different countries you're going mm. with how far mm. are you guys now it's like a whole survivor type of competition race wow. who's gonna get the first <laughs> who missed their flight because there are others who were missing flights who oh. missed your flight so it's like yeah I made it no flight missed no delayed flights yeah so it was like yeah but the whole yeah it's such an adventure. exciting yeah yeah yes adventure yes it I'll was so exciting You know uh, I often get opportunities to travel abroad for work purposes and one thing that I I struggle with is food. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so Heba I am serious. I make sure that in my bag there's some little bits and pieces of snacks here and there that I'll pack in my bag. for survival just in case i get that side <laughs> and i don't think that they feed me how was it like it was well i you know i can't blame her that she did try to prepare us during that pre departure <laughs> orientation she did try but ooh, luckily i i decided you know what like i packed some of my favorite obviously with the weight yeah. limits and you're packing a lot of things i try to pack some of my favorites i'm like if it gets too bad i'll fall back on this But yeah, when you get there, the food is... Uh, firstly, Amazing. the quantities are so massive. Like, the quantities <laughs> are so massive. But then the food tastes so different. I think that's what everybody kept saying. Oh, the food tastes so different. We try. We even tried because while we were staying in um, the accommodation they gave us, we were actually cooking for ourselves. Okay. Then we tried the whole let's cook. And then the reality hits us. We are from different areas in <laughs> Africa. So as much as we all from Africa, we're not eating the same thing among <laughs> ourselves as well. So that's why it, the frustration is, oh, now I have to cook my own food because we're not eating the same food. We're also not eating the same food as the US. So yeah, the food thing. But after a while, you get used. You start picking up, okay, at least I can eat this and this and that. And yeah, the food thing hit us so hard. <laughs> I, I am honest. I am honest, Murendene. 
I pack my, my snack <laughs> in the <her> bag <laughs> just so I make sure that I get to the other side mm. and I'm like uh, I'm very picky with food I'm yes. very picky <laughs> and um, lastly what would you like to say how would you what kind of advice would you give to an aspirant uh, fellow um, number one is those who are not aspirant fellows apply you want to be a fellow <laughs> and then to aspirant fellows is the advice I'd give you is give yourself time with the application and it's all about being authentic it's all about being your true self it, it's not rocket science the application it's just really putting yourself and what you're doing for your community just putting it on paper so that it, that that's all it, you don't have to overthink it just be authentic in the application mm. and then also what I would tell them is this experience is it's a life-changing experience it's yes it's six weeks and you might think ah how much can I change in six weeks but the six weeks it brings you back a whole different person you come back with a whole range of network i used to tell people well i knew my linkedin times on linkedin i know when i post because well i've got a south african audience and i'm like yo guys i got a global audience i need to be thinking in different time Yay. zones you understand your thinking changes now i have to be thinking oh my friend now i need to consider time zones when i something that well before this it's like you just overlook there's certain things that it opens your mind sometimes we don't know what we don't know because we haven't been exposed yes. you think you know it all mm. no you don't and there's just so much that the world has to offer yes it's six weeks in the u.s but it's six weeks with i was with 24 other amazing young african leaders and just hearing their stories hearing what they are doing it's you form a family like i have a family now in 24 different sub-saharan african wow. countries right now if I get a plane ticket, I just you close my like eyes. Point which African country I want to land on. And that's something mm. I didn't have before this. Mm -hmm. And those networks is not just a matter of I want to visit this country. But it's young African business leaders. Meaning mm. that I've got 24 connections that I didn't have before. Wow. And it's not just the 24 I was with. Like Heather mentioned, there's a summit at the end of it. Wherein all 700 of us come together. You in one yes. Place. So you, you build on that. So it's just... You have this network that, I mean, just yesterday, one of the fellows who's in Mozambique needed something in South Africa. Now he can just call me to sort him out in South Africa. Well, before mm. he didn't have that. So mm. he would have had to now take time off, book a plane ticket for who knows how much, book accommodation in South Africa. But now you just phone somebody who's in that country and they, they help, help you out. out. So, it yeah, it, it goes beyond... The networking, the collaboration, it goes beyond what Amazing. you could imagine. Yes. Amazing stuff. And from you, Heather? I mean, again, Maureen Denny has said it all. This really is about building relationships and, and networks. And it's not just about building a, a relationship with U.S. citizens and U.S organizations. This is about building relationships with within South Africa that may not have ever happened had they not been put into the same place at the same time. This mm -hmm. is about building relationships outside of South Africa and broader in Sub-Saharan Africa that may not have happened had not, you know, there been some kind of convener to bring them all together. So, 
you know, this, these kinds of, you know, stories and anecdotes is what makes me want to continue doing this program is to see that, yes, these connections are being made, that there's tangible value to the people who are participating. And again, I know that there's many more of these stories that I have not heard and, and that I will not hear, but I'm just, I'm happy to hear that that's what's going on. And so again, all I can say is, please, please apply. Um, we don't discriminate uh, against race, color, uh, disability, religion, um, gender identity, whatever it is. Like it's, it's a broad umbrella. All are welcome as long as you're between the ages of 25 and 35 <laughs> and from a sub-Saharan African country and speak English very well. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming through to share the information with us. It's very enlightening. It's it's very empowering. I do believe that our listeners out there will take this opportunity with both hands. Thank you. Thank, thank you for having Thank us. you.